You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to the 750. I am your ORJ Ochoa. He is your 75 two time Super Bowl champion, college football Hall of Famer, fresh off of what I hope was a fantastic and a very Merry Christmas celebration. Tony Casillas, TC, what up? Everything's going great. It, it was a tremendous holiday considering the circumstances. Got a chance to spend time with family. And um, yeah, I mean, top it off with a Cowboys victory. I mean, it was a great holiday season so far. Yeah, um, you know. How I know about yourselves? How about was, you and your your family? Mine was great, thank nice. God. Um, had had a great time. Um, you know, family. You know, only obviously um, my parents and I and, and my mm-hmm. wife. Um, and so we we enjoyed it. You know, um, this is I'm I'm reaching the stage of life, Tony, where I'm doing the cliche. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm gonna eat all of the treats through New Year's and then and then it starts you know resolution time right yeah so um (laughs) that's that's how I'm I'm living uh my wife made a pecan pie for Christmas and so so I dove into that yeah it was legit and so um everything has gone well and, and you're right and I've said this for years if if the Cowboys are relevant around Christmas time they could be bad but as long as they're relevant it it is so much more fun uh, you're again in normal times you're gathered around the table your, your family that you don't see all the time comes in and and, and i'm sure you specifically are asked tony how do you think how do you think it's gonna go you know and it's it's a fun different you know mood than if it's just you know like it, christmas sucked for jets fans you know what i mean like it's not the same and so this has been a, a weird the cowboys have won three games in the month of december yeah it's uh it's something that we haven't really been able to celebrate and to the point about I really found myself really getting excited about this game for some reason. You know, I, I felt maybe it's just the homer in me that I wanted the Cowboys and it was an NFC East rivalry game with the, the Eagles. I don't care who they play, but at right. least have a little bit more to it, some more energy. So I found myself really, you know, actually cheering. Uh, in fact, I actually went and watched the game with my son and some friends and I think I'm the only, was the only Cowboy uh, fan in the, in the place. And, uh, and also, I forgot that it was actually at home. I mean, that's how kind of disconnected I've been in yeah. most. But you know what? It was a, it was a tremendous game. I, I thought that the, it had a lot to it. Uh, you, I think the biggest question, RJ, is like who was going to show up? Was it going to be a team that continued you know, after the last, you know, winning the, this, you know, going on a two-game streak? And it, it was just, uh, you know, regardless, it doesn't matter what the circumstances were. I mean, mm-hmm. regardless of what their records are. I mean, the fact that it was – it felt the energy and they played hard. I think that fans kind of get lost in everything, the translation of what they're actually – the record is, especially in a game like this. I just kind of felt the energy there. And I thought it was a – I mean, I thought it was a tremendous win for them. And, and, you know, shout out to Mike McCarthy for keeping this thing intact. I think that that's a good place to start. Um, 
we found out when the second half started, Shannon Spake said on Fox, um, nobody had known that Mike McCarthy did the watermelon smashing thing again. And I actually, I want to start there specifically. I think it's amazing, Tony, that we're talking about the Dallas Cowboys and something that was was so widely talked about when when they first did the watermelon smashing, it was this big, you know, haha, whatever like story, and nobody knew. Not not a not a soul spoke about it until Shannon Spake said it on Fox. That's impressive to me, um, and and says that this team is is just kind of locked in the four walls that they're working in, whether that's AT and T Stadium, the team hotel, whatever, and they're not talking to anybody else, but. I mean, you can I know you don't necessarily hate the watermelon thing, but some people think it's cheesy or lame, whatever, but it worked. And like, I I mean, you've you've lived that life. I have to imagine if a coach does something that is maybe silly, but if the whole team loves, it's the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, we used to have uh, our special teams, uh, teams coach Joe Avizano. The great Joe Avizano. He was a tremendous just uh, savant when it comes to special teams. And and, uh, you know, God bless his soul. He passed away too early. But um, during his special teams meeting, we would meet an hour prior to the team meetings. And this is everyone, all the, it doesn't matter who it was, the whole team. And it didn't matter, you know, if it was, uh, you know, Troy Eggman or whoever. I mean, everyone was part of the, the special teams. It was kind of the prelude to what Jimmy was going to get up and tell us, you know, the night before. And I just really, there always been these little things that he used to say, it only catches up to you when it catches up to you. And just all these different phrases and you know anecdotes about what you know we needed to do and it just resonated and it started there and so while it may say a little cliche and it may be a kind of quirky what coaches do I mean really it, it, it doesn't really matter it's in who's in that in that room I mean right. it's like it, that's your family and just like any business that you run those are the people you care about and those are the people that care about you because everyone outside those walls you're getting criticism you get tired of hearing that and uh you know, whatever it does to resonate with some of these guys, because at a point where, you know, offensively, I mean, they did so many great things and defensively now plus nine after three games, it's just unheard of considering how bad they were last year. I mean, there's, there's something to that because I always say this on our show that as a player and being in the depths of being out of it, where all you're thinking about is the off season, right. you really don't care. Planning vacation. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, you just don't, there's a lot to be said to that. You just mail it in like, okay, well, you know, it's kind of like what we saw last night. We're doing our show on Tuesday, watch Carolina play the Buffalo Bills, and you clearly saw a Patriots team that just – they didn't have anything going for them, which is unheard of. But, yeah, I think what Mike McCarthy has done and really it really just kind of pulled everything out of this team and really continued to them to battle, I mean, it says a lot for his character. Yeah, I think um... – Again, I've never been there, but to me, um, we talked last week, and for anyone that didn't know, my wife and I moved this year, and you've you've moved a thousand times, but it's like, you know when you're in the process of moving, and it's like, you know, you know, you, you cook a meal, whatever, it's like, yeah. what, we'll just eat on paper plates. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we, we don't need to get everything yeah, out. You're just, yeah, you're like, hey, we're not going to be here much longer, so right. we already got one foot out the door. Yeah, so Mike McCarthy has said a few times, uh, that this team reminds him of his 2013 Green Bay Packers team. That Packers team, the worst it got for them. Uh, so they were five and two at one point. Then they lost three games in a row to drop to five and five. Then they tied with the Minnesota Vikings to drop to five, five and one. Then they lost again on Thanksgiving Day against the Detroit Lions. They were five, six and one entering the month of December. Not quite three and nine. 
um, which which the Cowboys were staring in the face. But then they won three of their last four games. One of those games, uh, incidentally, was against the Cowboys, the Matt Flynn game. And I look, I'm not trying to take credit away from you know the great players that played for the Packers, but I do think there's something to McCarthy. I, I we we have talked before. We've said many times that one of the great qualities of Jason Garrett, in fact, maybe his greatest quality was that those players never quit on him. They never did up until the very end, and that's why it was time to move on. And I got to give Mike McCarthy all the credit in the world because there was all the reason in the world to quit this year. I mean, my, you know, football reasons, Dak lost, Tyron lost, emotional reasons, the, the death of Marcus Paul. It should also be mentioned that Mike McCarthy was close with Kevin Green, who passed away, had him on his staff, I believe, um, I heard Aaron Rodgers say on Pat McAfee's show there was another Packers staffer that passed away earlier in the year. Mike McCarthy has had a, the year from hell. And, and and so of you know, most people in the world, I realize that, and I know we're talking about a game, but there was, I mean, nobody would have really blamed the Cowboys, Tony, for mailing it in. And for, for standing up and having some pride in themselves, I mean, this this team has a little bit more of a backbone than I think a lot of people, including ourselves, give them credit for. I think we do. I think we have to give them more credit than, you know, we, we've been very, you know, critical and rightly so this year. I mean, this team is, you know, defensively especially. I mean, they've been just hammered. But, um, you know, I think that Mike McCarthy, I think the whole this thing, whole thing started whenever a lot of the players came out and, and you know, publicly. And, right. You know, they, you know, Jane Slater had a report from NFL Network that, you know, the coaches didn't know what they're over their head as far as what they were doing. And so it kind of it could have spun out of control. But whatever right. was said in those those rooms, in that room, and I mean, kept it in the family. And I think that, you know, Mike McCarthy could have threw a lot of guys under the bus. Uh, he could have come out and said something and, you know, been really critical. But it's a little different. I, I think when you when you're with a team like the Dallas Cowboys and the chain of control, the you know, the, the the management when it starts right. from bottom, I, I think that maybe you got to tap the brakes a little bit and not maybe do that. I mean, I, I think when you especially and I'm, this may get a little off track, but it, you know, Jane, you know, Dwayne Haskins in in Washington gets right. released, and you always and I was talking to someone about this the other day. If that would have been happened, if, if Jerry would have drafted his quarterback, the 18th pick, would he continue to give him chances or would he have been like, you know, handled it like Ron Rivera and the Washington Football Club? Um, but to the point about Mike McCarthy, I think that that was a, a testament of people, the guys that have respect for him because he could have went in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. But I think with what, you know, the – just the the way this team is set up with ownership and general manager and trickles down, maybe you just can't go out there and do that. But the players hung in there, offensively especially. I think offensively, when you look at the offensive line in which they are playing with a lot more continuity, they're not the best. But they're able to throw the ball down the field. I mean, Andy Dalton's getting ample time to throw the football, make plays. So defensively, that's another story. We talked about the takeaways, and there's some work that needs to be done. Uh, but – yeah, I think that Mike McCarthy, I think guys are buying into it and have respect. And that's all you want is respect. Just like right. the players want respect from the coaches, the coaches need respect from the players. I agree with that. I think, um, you know, Mike McCarthy has every step of the way defended Mike Nolan 
which mm-hmm. didn't make a lot of sense. Um, he has never put the onus on players. And, and again, Jason Garrett never did that up until the end. Remember last year after the Cowboys lost to the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday Night Football, he called out Tavon Austin for the mishandling of that punt return late in the game. And that really felt like a break point for him. Mike McCarthy, again, he's had every reason to be like, look, we have one of the worst defenses in the history of this sport. But he never said that. You know what I mean? Like, he he always just kind of – he is a guy who has been there, done that, and and seems, you know, internally capable of of internalizing all of that and and just kind of putting it on his shoulders. And so I think he deserves all the credit in the world. Are you you sold on Mike Nolan? Um, The Cowboys (laughs) – I mean, if anybody that's watching just saw Tony's face, uh, you can watch this episode on YouTube. But um, Did my reaction kind of give well, away my my it, answer to that or what I'm about to say. It should be said. And I, I'm not sold on Mike Nolan. Let me say that. But I, I think the guy deserves, you know, like a fruit basket because the, the team's first nine games before the bye, they generated seven turnovers. They went on their bye, got their crap together, and in the six games since have generated 14 turnovers. That is ridiculously impressive. Although, it should be said that they have played some really crappy offenses and specifically some really crappy quarterbacks like the Cincinnati Bengals, like the 49ers, even the Eagles, and Jalen Hurts making his third ever start in the NFL. Yeah, well, is Jerry going to go back on his word? He's already made a, a publicly a comment about – there's going to be some changes on the defensive side right. of the ball. Some coaches are not going to be coming back. Is that going to be – it seems to me that <laughs> Mike Nolan's like 85 90% out the door. Just because they turn this around, is that enough that Jerry's going to have to go back on his words and say, well, let me tap the brakes. When I watch their defense, I think they're out of sorts. I think that, you know, when we watch – I mean, yes, they got all the takeaways, but the way they get gouged is they play really bad back, gap control. And I just don't like to see Demarcus Lawrence in a you know two point stand with that with his hand down. He just doesn't look comfortable. I and, and look, he's played better. I mean, you, you know, your two best defensive players on that team right now, I think that are playing is Randy Gregory and Alden Smith. Both those guys have missed between them probably missed almost ten a decade. Not that it's kind of exaggerating, but my point is is that it's unsound. I, I really the scheme at is unsound with the players they have, um, and I don't. It, I don't know if that philosophy of Mike Nolan's going to work, uh, but you got to give him credit. I mean, they have been having a knack to, you know, create turnover turnovers and something that they couldn't do last year. They couldn't buy, they couldn't buy one. So that's going to be the question in the off season. Now, if the Cowboys make it, if the, you know, if they get help from the, from Washington right. uh, or excuse me, from the Eagles, uh, which is kind of weird that you want help from them after you just beat them. And then they take care of business in New York. Then they go, they, they make the playoffs. Then it's, I, I don't know. It just depends on what happens if you do, you know, accidentally win a game in the play, postseason play, which is the far way ahead. But my point is, is that sure. that's, that's some consideration for jobs. Um, so, well, I want to talk about Demarcus Lawrence. But before that, we are recording Tuesday morning. We started recording a little bit after Jerry Jones's Tuesday hit on 105.3 The Fan. And I wrote about this. So if you're listening, you can go get full details at blogontheboys.com. But Jerry did say um, that it's unlikely that Zach Martin will play this week. 
against the New York Giants. He did say that there is hope if things go the Cowboys' way, if, if they win and if the Eagles win, there's hope that Zach Martin could play. Uh, for what it's worth, Zach Martin was last seen on Thanksgiving Day, which was November 26th, and the wild card game that the Cowboys would host if this did work out for them would be January 9th or 10th. So about a month and a half um, to get right for Zach Martin, so fingers crossed for him. Um, you've been critical of Demarcus Lawrence. Generally, at, at BTB, um, so we get a lot of tweets about this um, because I, I think your criticisms of DeMarcus Lawrence are valid, but the, there are these people that, that think he sucks. And those are the people that we're generally talking to. I think my own personal opinion is I think he is the best defensive player on the Cowboys. Um, I think he is a true powerful edge rusher. I, the, the war daddy that Jerry Jones used to say he wanted. Um, I, I think, you know, would it be nice if the sack numbers were there? Totally. Um, obviously, that that's not ideal that they're not. But he is leading the team in sacks for what it's worth. Um, and I think he plays the run very well. I certainly, you know, it's it's possible for him to play better. Like, that's not, you know, up for debate. Um, but I think he's been the best defensive player all season long, on like on aggregate. Do you think that's fair? Or do you think – I mean, I, I know you want to see him play better, and I know you believe he's talented enough to – um, like, where do you stand on him across the whole season? Well, there's Tony's level when it comes to a player of his magnitude. And I'm mm -hmm. factoring in the contract. And I'm just sure, the, that's expect, the expectation. As a player in the National Football League, I mean, the guy's a really good player, without a doubt. Right. But I think that you have to – the reality of it is when you watch this game, and I, I try to watch as much as I can. And, and, and I, I, for instance – you know, against someone like Jalen Hurts, which is a rookie, you know, first of all, you go in like the dude's a rookie and you don't give him respect. He's got to earn it. I don't right. care who it is. You know, if he runs a four five or four four. Yeah. And if he, if he went to a great school like AM yeah, or some I mean, other place like Oklahoma. It, it, exactly. But you know, when you go to Harvard of the Southwest, I mean when you're very intelligent, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I watch, you know, playing his own read and sometimes – I mean, that's hard, you know. You yeah. Guys aren't used to playing his own read. You know, either going to take the quarterback or, the, the you know, the, the running back. I mean, it's a, you're on an island. I mean, look, I'm not – I guess that, that I, I have some – I have respect for D-Law. I sure. think he's a tremendous talent, and I look for him. It's like there's got to be one dude that I look to and point, dude, you're the guy that needs to make the play. Yeah. I'm in the huddle. I'm like, hey, Demarcus, you're the guy. Okay, I don't care. You got to knock down a brick wall. You're the guy that's got to make. You got. You have got to fuel the fire on this. And right. so maybe that's my criticism. And I don't know if that's you know maybe that's just me because I know his capability. But sometimes guys that 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 have that label have got to fight through the the fact that look, it's not looking good. But man, I got to have that one play. And yes, he made great plays. So maybe it's a little unrealistic. Maybe that's my criticism, but that's because I have a lot of respect for him and his expectation getting, as far as getting paid the contract. You have to be a superstar, and you have to really turn that button on whenever you need to make a big play. People right. are relying on that. I think – I don't. you can tell me if I'm incorrect. I don't want to speak for you at all. But I think if, if there's one player on the defensive side of the ball that it's fair, using that word loosely, that it's fair to have – unrealistic expectations for it's demarcus lawrence right because he is the most talented player in terms of just god-given talent he does have the biggest contract so like if you're gonna if you're gonna say well i know i'm not being realistic but that guy has to do it demarcus lawrence is the guy that that kind of fits that archetype and i think in a similar way i think he and amari cooper 
are kind of the same guy in that sense. Like they both have these really great moments, but they both have these games that they're just a little bit more quiet in. And so that's what stirs up the criticism. That's what stirs up people kind of wondering who they are, given the high price, given the big contracts, given the notoriety, given the talent, because they, they are both incredibly talented. Yeah. And, and, and look, I think that's the, that's a narrative in the national football league. Pete guys are getting paid a hell of a lot of money and really maybe whether they deserve, I mean, look, you got to get it while you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, it's a, it's a young man's sport, but you know, to, to really defend Demarcus Lawrence, you got to look at the interior part of the line. You got to look at the defensive tackles, you know, the gap right. control, just getting washed out. You know, Demarcus can't make, he's a, he can't go sideline to sideline and right. make big plays up the field. And he can't, you know, sometimes you can't really have an impact on that. Just, you know, unless you're just going upfield and, and create, creating havoc. And, you know, to me, I think they're vulnerable there. I, especially in Neville Gallimore, as much as he's made big plays, I think when you look at, you know, he's a rookie. I mean, they're, right. they're suffering there. We, they lost Tristan Hill. Um, but I don't even, I didn't even want to mention the guy's name. And I know that you know who I'm going to mention. That's your boy. Um, when I watch him play, I, I, and I watched the games last night. I watched the Buffalo Bills, and I watched these linebackers, or even on New England. They scrape off, and they hit guys that coming off the second level. They hit them right in the mouth, and it doesn't matter. But whenever you, you engage into a block and you can't get off and you're 10 yards down the field, you got to help each other out. It's not going to be a perfect world. You know, guys are going to get off to the second level. So you got to help each other out. And I think in, in DeMarcus Lawrence's defense, he's not getting – that help where he needs to really help him become that playmaker. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. So um, Tony is talking about a certain <laughs> linebacker. Um, he, uh, he has a, a brand, a few of them. Um, and I think... So uh, a few weeks ago, um, when we had Darren Woodson on the on the network and, and on our shows, um, I, I playfully asked you, or you, I asked you for a question. You said, "Ask him why he always cussed us out." And I mean, I, I don't want to speak for Woody, but he he cussed you out because you were accountable to one another, right? Like what you did you or cared didn't about do. each other. Right. You and, knew that. Look, that that you were going to respond, and that was just part of it. Right. And you 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 not doing your job could really leave him, you know, vulnerable or, or whoever. I mean, Ken, Ken right. right. And so to, to the point that, you know, you're kind of making here, DeMarcus Lawrence can be one of the best edge rushers in the NFL, which I believe he is. And it sounds like you agree with 
Mm-hmm. But if, if he is on an island where he has an Achilles heel floating in the middle of his defense, he can only do so much. And that's that's just the reality of football and 11 men and a team sport and whatever. Um, and Jalen wasn't like the worst player ever against the Eagles. Um, and he's had some solid moments. But yeah, like, I mean, that's like that's the dude that needs to, you know, show off. And I mean, we've we've beaten that horse. You know what I mean? A million. Yeah. Times. And then Sean Lee, you can't expect him to play like he did five years ago. And he's a very smart player. But. Look, I mean, he probably, you know, Leighton Vander Esch is not playing, so he's a smart dude. He's going to be where you need to, you know, where you need to be responsible. But I like even Sean Lee on the sidelines. He's over there, like, giving each other these guys an earful. Right. Like, get your, you know, whatever you need to do. I mean, it, it, it hurts me to watch them give up big plays the way they did. And But, look, I'm going to harp on the fact that they shut them down the second half. Yeah. They scored 17 points the first half, and – they got help the second half. So I give them, I'll pat them on the back for that. But I mean, it's kind of hard to complain when you win and you're on a winning streak, especially for this team. I don't care who it is and considering what they have, they suffered this year. Yeah. And uh, I guess you got to celebrate, but I mean, the thing about it is that there's, you know, when you criticize the points that you criticize, have got to be valid. And everything that we talked about in the last 10 minutes, when it comes to defense, is something you can blatantly see, RJ. Yeah, I mean, and and the defense becomes a bigger issue when your offense is alive, right? Um, putting up a lot of points and playing right. well. I mean, yeah, and absolutely. Kudos to them. My last point on the defense before we get to offense, um, Dick LeBeau is, is maybe my favorite defensive mm-hmm. coordinator of all time. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and Hall of Fame player, by the way, in, in his own right. And he had, I, I once read, he had a rule of thumb. I don't know if you ever heard this before. 17 points. That was his, his mantra. If, if mm-hmm. as a defense, we can hold you to 17 points. I trust that our offense can beat that. And right. the, the Cowboys held Philadelphia to 17 points and they won. Yeah, and that's the goals you put on every week. You go in there, and on a Wednesday before you get the game plan, you put your list of goals up there, whatever, you know. Back on the chalkboard. Yes, I mean, you have your goal. I'm serious. I mean, yeah, the uh, whiteboard, not chalkboard. Whiteboard, <laughs> I think, yeah, you could actually erase it. Or I didn't have my uh, my iPad, my uh, you know, yeah. that they have now. Um, but so, yeah, those are goals you put up, you know, as far as stopping their average per carry. And then the big point is is points. Right. You can win like five or, you know, four out of eight or seven categories, and especially turnovers. Right. I mean, if you can win the takeaway battle, I mean, and, and do what the Cowboys have done, you got about an 85, 90% chance of winning. If you get beat, then you got really big issues. Offensively, so, you're not getting help, and that's certainly what's the trend right now for this team. Right. The Cowboys have won the turnover battle in these three games that they've won, mm-hmm. three in a row. Yeah. Um, how, how many turnovers would you guess off the top of your head the Cowboys the Cowboys offense has had in the last three games? Uh, I think it's 12, 11. No, I'm, I'm talking just like how many times the offense has given the ball up in, oh, in, oh, in the last uh, three well, games. Well, I know it's plus nine, so I'm going to say one. That is some good mental math by you, TC. Yeah, that was a and, great guess. And it was I'm this, cheating. I'm looking behind you. Have it, you have it on your <laughs> it was um it was this this most recent game when Andy Dalton threw that that interception, trying to yeah. you know, trying to do a little bit too much. Uh but yeah, outside of that, the Cowboys defense has forced ten turnovers mm-hmm. these last three games and and have only seen their offense give it up once. So if, if you're plus nine, 
uh, and the turnover differential, it's it's going to work out for you more often than not. Um, speaking of Andy Dalton, you mentioned the zone read. Kellen Moore called the zone read for Andy Dalton at one point in this game. <laughs> but like all jokes aside, he has a level of mobility to him. You know, like yeah. that's that's a, a factor that should be utilized more. Yeah, and and and, and I think Kellen Moore is really he he's really showed that he's a good play caller and I don't know if he's going to be back next year I, mm-hmm. I I don't know if he's going to take the head get the head coaching job at Boise State um you know best of luck to him because I think it, that would be a great place for him to start but yeah I think that the play calling when you look at this offense and you know for defensively you know you just you got to keep yourself guessing and once you're able to establish that and just you know out of the norm and not and, and do things like that um then that's a big difference in the game as far as extending drives. And because all of a sudden, you know, you have to start thinking a lot more. And, you know, Jim Swartz, he's the kind of guy that likes to come after you. And, and look, I thought in this game that there would be a lot of yards to be had because this team, when we talk about the Eagles they played last week, give up, gave up a ton of yards to the pass. And they took advantage of that. But that's some of the play calling that Kellen Moore was able to come up with. It's so strange how Kellen Moore, and I do think it would be a really great story for college football if he did wind up back at Boise. It would suck to see him go. Um, I, and that's another thing we, we get heated at BTB for is you know, there are people that think he sucks. Do, do I believe he's the best offensive coordinator in the NFL? No. However, he is extremely young. He is obviously incredibly bright-minded. And he certainly has a knack for identifying offensive concepts that work. However, his flaw lately has been in the red zone. You know, I mean, the, the Cowboys scored these big touchdowns, and, and yeah, they had the Michael Gallup touchdown at the end of the first half in the in the red zone. But Kellen Moore does, does I think, get a little too cute in the red zone. Yeah, um, but I think that's a lot to do with not being able to run the ball when he's in the fair. red zone. And, you know, it's a, this, the, the field, is it shrinks, and there's not as much space, and there's only so many things that you can do and get fancy. I mean, when you get in the red zone, you got to be able to have play a little power football, you know, mm-hmm. and just try to force that and make people respect that. And and as much as the good good things that the offense has done, I mean, running the ball in the red zone is not something they've been able to. What did you think of Zeke in this? Like, I you- was happy. I was really happy for <laughs> Zeke. I, I mean, look, everyone's in. It goes around on social media and right and, you know, all the you know fans like, hey, yeah, dude, we need to get rid of Zeke and. You know, he's, you know, he's not the guy, but I saw, Hey, when I saw him like feed me, I'm, when he made that big, was a 21 yard run, the longest run he made all year long. I was like, I was happy for the dude. Cause I don't know. He may be battling injuries. I mean, there's, right. he's another guy that we labeled the guy that like be Superman. He's got to carry the team on offense and to a certain extent, you know, it's fair. I mean, but I was, I was glad. I thought he looked like he had a little bit more in the tank. Uh, I thought maybe he looked like he was more healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just looked like he was happier. And um, I think he played harder. I don't know if that's because of Tony Pollard or the fact that he was feeling better, healthy. Yeah, a week but, off, yeah. Yeah, and, but I, you could tell that he had a little bit left. He had a little bit more spark. So on Zeke, because I think this is interesting. By the way, Zeke is going to lead the team in rushing for five straight years now. This is his fifth year in the NFL. He's going to obviously be the team's leading rusher on the year. Do you know the last running back who played for the Dallas Cowboys that led the team in rushing in five straight seasons? Hmm. Led the team in rushing? Yeah, so was the Cowboys team leading rusher for five straight years? Well, I mean, we're going way back, aren't we? 
So, I mean, there have been a couple of guys who have done it at least three years in a row. Um, in, I mean, it's got, I mean, Emmett. Emmett is the, is the answer. Yeah. Um, Emmett led the team in rushing, obviously. Like this for a was billion. a trick question. Right. But uh, <laughs> my, my point is, you know, Julius Jones led the team yeah. in rushing three years mm-hmm. in a row. Marion Barber did it three years in a row. DeMarco Murray did it four years in a mm-hmm. row. And Zeke is now about to do it five years in a row. Another, just along these same lines, uh, it, it looks like, I mean, barring anything wild, Amari Cooper is going to lead the team in receiving for three years in a row. His three years, obviously, with the team. He's crossed 1,000 yards in his, his two full seasons with the team. Do you know the last receiver that led the team in receiving at least three years in a row? Oh, gosh. I'm going to go with uh... – It's pretty easy, actually. <laughs> Jason Witten? Miles uh, Austin or Michael Irvin? Dez did it three years okay, in a row Dez, gosh, yeah. from, from 2012 to 2014, his breakout years. But before that, Miles never did it three years in a row. Witten never did it even two years in a row. He did, he did lead the team in receiving in 2011. But outside of Dez, the last person to do it three years in a row was Terrell Owens, his first three seasons with the team. And before that, it was Michael Irvin. So That's a great question. It's just, I mean, it's not, it's kind of obvious, but it is yeah. kind of, it shows the, I don't want to say the lack of consistency, but there's just been some, some levels of turnover. Um, by the way, Zeke Elliott did have his most yards in the game, if you are measuring that. And I do think it's worth mentioning that his only two games, and I know the bar is a little bit low here, uh, his only two games crossing over 100 yards were in Minnesota and at, against Philadelphia on Sunday. The thing that those two games have in common for Zeke specifically is that he had the week off before uh, against Minnesota. The Cowboys were coming off their bye, so obviously had the week off. And then this past week, he didn't play against San Francisco. So, I mean, the rest clearly has done him well. Is is all I'm saying. So, and I saw the statistic to RJ as far as uh, you know broken tackles. I believe he led all running backs. I believe he had 11 right. in one game. So that's an indication that maybe he's feeling better. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that uh, I think when you look at the receiving core, Michael Gallup. I don't know what the dude ate for breakfast or pregame meal, but that dude was phenomenal. I mean, that he dude, was. I mean, man. he was some of the catches, and then the Xbox uh, video. The oh uh, god, that was so high cool. de- Isn't that sick? Oh, and oh, I don't man. play. I mean, I play Xbox, but I can just see that it looks like you know I had your controller in your hand or something. And my son, he loves it. You know, obviously he's a twenty-year-old and he's a gamer. But that was phenomenal. And Amari Cooper, man, oh, my gosh. The moves that – the ankles he broke in uh, that game, that one huh? It's like Amari, man, that's dirty. <laughs> Amari is – like, there's there's something – there's, like, badass receiver, right? Like, yeah. there, and there's – you know, there are a lot of them, and obviously in the NFL. But there's something, like – like, Amari is – like sm- like the smoothest jazz you've ever heard in your life. Like where the it's whole like some band- smooth tequila or whiskey. Oh man. yeah, and, you like, know it- you drink it and you're like, oh man, that's just smooth and you know let it marinate and you can sip on it for a long time. But yeah, he is he, he's amazing. It, it was it was just a really fun game. Um, and not to mention yeah, to our boy C.D. Lamb and that guy. Oh God, uh, I mean, yeah, it, like- it was just and Andy Dahl. Look, there's a reason why that they brought him in, and that's the prime reason why what we saw. And I don't know what's going to happen with him. I don't know if he's shown enough. I, I think that maybe, and I was talking to my son about this last night, when you look at the Washington Football Club, 
you think about them leading the quarterback and not that I don't know what Alex Smith, what his situation is, what they're going to do as far as a quarterback. But right. I would think that Andy Dalton, that may be a place he may end up because I think the guy has a little left. I mean, I think he's got some something to go with that, you know, to, to what his, you know, what he's done over the last four games. So I'm glad you brought this up. I think this is a, a good topic to end on. Mm-hmm. I wrote a, I wrote a thousand words about this yeah. on Tuesday. Um, the Dallas Cowboys in games without Dak Prescott this year have won four games. All right. And that is three more than they won without Tony Romo in 2015. In 2015, the Cowboys went one and 11 without Tony Romo, which is really an embarrassment to that <laughs> coaching staff that, that they were that in that. I think of who the backup Dak. quarter was that Brandon Whedon? Was that the Brandon Whedon time? No, it, it, it was. That, it's, it started off as Brandon Whedon, but they huh. traded for Matt Castle when, right. when that happened. That's and right. then, then he got his shot. He actually is the only quarterback that won a game. Um, okay. and, and, then, and then Kellen Moore got a shot later on himself. Yeah. Um, but so, I mean, Andy Dalton has – and we've talked about this. His first two starts, I'm sort of willing to give him a pass on. Um, the first one was on Monday Night Football against the Arizona Cardinals. Everybody was still kind of dealing with the aftershock of Dak getting hurt. And we also would go on to find out that the Cardinals were a really good team and specifically a really good offense. They may or may not make the playoffs this this week. We'll see. But the point is the Cowboys ran into a buzzsaw on Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. That wasn't Andy yeah. Dalton's fault. The next week, the Cowboys go to Washington without Zach Martin and go up against maybe the best defensive front in the NFL. Andy Dalton gets hurt. Okay, so like I'm, I'm kind of willing to excuse these two games. But so Andy Dalton then has a concussion, then tests positive for COVID. Then everything is terrible. The Cowboys lose against Philly and Pittsburgh, and they go on their bye. Andy Dalton gets right. Since then, the Cowboys beat the Minnesota Vikings. All the hype, everyone's talking RJ and Tony, maybe this team wins the NFCs, whatever. Tragedy strikes, short week. The Cowboys barely practice. They get housed by Washington on Thanksgiving. Then a week and almost two weeks later, they lost to the Ravens just as the Ravens found their offensive form again that we've seen them riding since then. That's a scary team right now. Right. And so I'm I you can you can kind of like I hate to call them excuses, but you can kind of excuse Mm -hmm. away Andy Dalton's losses. And I know that the wins are against the Vikings, the Bengals, the Niners, and the Eagles, four really bad teams. But still, Andy Dalton is four and four as the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. If your backup goes five hundred. Like that's, that's really, that's kind of like ideal backup performance. And what's more, and and I, I mean, not to take anything from Andy, but I give a lot of credit for this to Mike McCarthy because prior to Andy Dalton, the Cowboys treated QB two like this, whatever position, which is kind of dumb when you really think about it. I mean, the vice president is a tragedy away from becoming the most important person in the world. You know what I mean? And your, your, your QB two is, is a tragedy away from becoming the most important player on your team. And think about the last three years, the Cowboys entrusted such an important position to an undrafted free agent in Cooper Rush that, you know, had no NFL experience. And so if if this situation that the Cowboys are in had happened last year, they would have been extremely unprepared for this. You know what I mean? And I know that Andy got hurt himself and the Cowboys fell into that trap, but like they they planned for this and and, and they're whether they win the NFC East or not, they're going to play all 16 games mathematically alive. And that is an impressive accomplishment. And a lot of it is because of the insurance policy they bought themselves in Andy Dalton. And they had to cater to his, you know, his, his weaknesses and his strengths. And, you know, obviously with Dak, you know, he had more of a mobile quarterback than play action, make plays to the legs. And, 
you know, Andy Dalton, I think he had to sift his way through, you know, where, you know, look at the offensive line was not very good. They couldn't run the football. And so he had to sit back and throw it a lot. So I think they've kind of catered and kind of found his stride, if you will. And I think that he's really been efficient. You know, he's, he's, you know, he threw for 377 yards in the last game and put up some great numbers. And uh, I don't care who you play. I mean, you still have to have a quarterback. And we've right. seen the Ben DiNucci's. And, that, I mean, that's, you know, that's unfair to that dude. But, I mean, look where they're at now. And as you mentioned, four and four. I mean, you'll take that all day day long. Andy Dalton might be an NFC East champion. By the way, um, if you if you rank or if you sort the NFC East quarterbacks <clears throat> by number of wins, Andy Dalton is tied for the most wins by a starting quarterback in the NFC East. Andy Dalton, Alex Smith, and Daniel Jones each have started and won four games this year for NFC East teams. That's crazy. And the yeah. fact that all the games that are playing, I mean, the a majority of the games have a lot of implications, which is going right. to be a tremendous week, the, the last week in the National Football League. Well, so that – that brings us to prediction time, Tony. I think you and I both think the Cowboys are going to go beat Jason Garrett's Giants. Did you know, I saw this, I couldn't believe this. Jason Garrett, and I know he wasn't there last week, but or, or two weeks ago, rather. Jason Garrett's New York Giants offense has gone, I, I might be butchering this, but I believe three straight games scoring three or less points in the first half. That doesn't surprise me. It's the <laughs> Giants. And I'm not, I, look, I'm not trying to, you know, just to, you know, to, you know, to really just rag on to Jason, but considering the offense and what they have, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. And, and I think, you know, look, you gotta, you gotta look with your personnel. You know, I look at this game. I, I, I know the giants, it's going to, they're going to play the Cowboys stuff and vice versa. I it's on the road. Um, and it should be, it should be a game that there's, you know, you play the villain and that would be the New York giants because of their season. And, Look, the Cowboys got to win the game first before even, even – right. and they get to watch the, the the Sunday night game, which I think is great. So, you take care of your business, you beat the Giants, and then hopefully you'll get help from Washington. But I think Dallas, again, you know, I I, I think I may have picked them last week. I don't know if I did or not. I don't, you did. I, don't, I did. Uh, you were feeling merry and bright. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It was a Christmas – the holiday season. So I'm still in the holiday season. It's going to be a, a hat. It's going to be a better new year in 2021, but I can't think of a better way of, well, I mean, it'll be a new year because it'll be 2021 when they play. Right. right. So I think, I think the Cowboys win. I think again, uh, I think it's going to be a game. The Cowboys continue to get takeaways. It's going to come down to, they're going to give up some plays on defensively on, right. on that side of the ball, but I think they'll continue to really, really, and look, New York's got a good front front four. They're, they got some some ballers there. But I think Dallas will win. I think this will be a game, again, if they can put up some points. Maybe the Giants can go into that quit mode. And, you know, I, I don't think if you're Dallas, you can't rely on that because you got to finish games. But I'm picking the Cowboys to win. Okay, so I've got the Cowboys winning as well. Um, I Would you – yes or no, would you agree that a Cowboys win – is the easiest thing to come this week of the, of the two things the Cowboys need. That's the easier proposition. Yes. I, I okay. would think so because so, you can control that. Right. Yeah. So we both think that that happens. Eagles or Washington. Who do you think wins? Man, I don't know. I, I mean, look, who's going to play quarterback. Is Alex Smith going to be, I mean, who's their third string quarter? Oh, is it Cole well, McCoy? It's no, no longer Cole Dwayne. McCoy's the Giants. Yeah. It's no longer um, Dwayne Haskins. It's Taylor Heineke. Um, so <laughs> Heineke? 
Yeah, apparently. I like, I like Heineken's. Yeah. <laughs> I might have to, I have to go Jimmy, with Washington. It, that's Jimmy Johnson's uh, beer of choice. But, oh, God. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I, it's so I, hard. I think, to, I, I'm going with the Eagles. I think, I think the Cowboys, look, if they, if they win, I think this the matchups. I, I, Washington's defense is ferocious. That's the thing that concerns me. And they're playing against a rookie quarterback. But I don't think Washington offensively can do enough to, to put up points. And I think that's going to be the, the X factor. So I'm going to go with the Eagles. Cowboys, I'm winning, predicting the Cowboys that have been NFC East champions, baby. I do think it is very <laughs> interesting to consider if, if Washington finds themselves a franchise quarterback, whether that's Andy Dalton for a year or whatever, or mm-hmm. they are able to draft one and, and that, that player works out, that, that team is really – cooking with gas um and for what it's worth i mean if washington loses this game they're probably drafting somewhere around 10 11 12 mm-hmm. something like that yeah um versus if they win they're drafting at the very least 19th it's a lot easier for them to land a franchise quarterback in that 10 11 12 range than it is at 19th overall and so like i mean like i know nobody wants to tank whatever but if, if, if you're looking at that winning could hurt them more than it could anybody else. You know, people have talked about draft position for the whole season and it could really, really, really set them back because it could take them out of range to draft a quarterback for the future. You know what? I'm not going to buy in that. I think that they're going to actually try to play to win this game because sure. it is a division game. I think, I think that theory, I, I get it. I mean, we'll look at Dwayne Haskins. They drafted him at 18 right. and that didn't work out. So I think they're going to play hard. I think uh, their coach, Ron Revere, is a tremendous coach. And look, I mean, I, is it going to really be a difference maker four spots or five spots if you win or lose? I don't think so because there's only so many quarterbacks in this draft, and we've seen the enigma of that position. So I think that they're going to play hard. And look, I like it. I think there's a lot riding on. I mean, either one of these teams in, that, in the NFC East have a winning record, and yet – we're excited about these last two games in the division. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it is. It is pretty cool. It is yeah. pretty indicative of 2020. Let's not, let's not. Let's not even think about the record. Let's just right. Well, <laughs> the implications it, are there. That's that's the one. The, the good thing about that. At the end of the day, two of these teams are going to be one and zero in 2021. Let's get the hell out of this year. Exactly. Um, Tony, happy New Year to you and your family you too, and everybody. Uh, everybody listening, we hope if we don't talk to you before then that you have a very happy New Year. Enjoy Absolutely. this week's games. Hopefully the Cowboys win. Hopefully the Eagles win. A very strange sentence to say out loud. <laughs> uh, but it will be a lot of fun. Tony, we'll see everybody next week. Thanks a lot, everybody. This was the 750. 